Hello, and welcome back to One Conversation, the podcast where we believe one conversation can change a life. I'm Lisa. I'm here with my other host, Sarah. And today we're actually just going to have a kind of personal conversation. We're going to be sharing out with confidentiality in mind, of course, some of the stories that we have from working in this field. So first and foremost, although some of our stories may be, you know, kind of happier ones, due to the nature of our work, some listeners may perhaps find certain stories to be a little triggering. So listener discretion is definitely advised throughout this. And we're going to jump right in. I know we both have a couple stories to share. Of course, these are not all of our stories. Um, I think it was actually kind of challenging for me to like sit back and think because, you know, it's, I think been years for both of us. Right. And so yeah. there's so many to go through. I was like, huh, like it actually took me a minute to come up with them. But we came up with a few. So, Sarah, why don't you be uh, be our champion here and start us off? Sounds good. I would love to. So I want to start off by saying that I think relationships are so important, especially in our field. Like we're not going to get anywhere helping mm-hmm. our clients if we don't have relationships with them, um, as well as taking some risks and kind of putting yourself out there and just yeah. kind of taking a challenge and seeing if it's, you know, if it's going to play out for you. So with this first story I have, we were contacted by the school about a student just kind of having some behavioral problems. And in our field, we know that behavioral problems can often be tied with some sort of trauma or abuse that has happened in their life. Mm-hmm. They're just trying to really help the students. So they reached out to us to see if, you know, is there anything we can do? Can we meet with this person? Can we talk with them? And we're like, sure. And we're just kind of game planning on how we're going to do it because we knew the student would be a little bit more challenging to build that relationship with. Right. So I remember there was one day I was at the school and I saw the student walk by and I was just like, you know what, Sarah, just go for it. Yeah. Just say hi. Like, just see what happens. Mm-hmm. The student looked a little, just a little upset, a little down. And I was like, all right, I'm going to do it, pumping myself up in that like, you know, two seconds I could before it'd be awkward by by the time they walked by. And I was like, hey, how's it going? Everything okay? And the student was just like, no. And I was like, Mm. all right, I don't know what it was. If it was just like somehow I was able to just feel like a safe person for them. But, you know, and after that, we were talking a little bit. And then I got back to the office and I was talking with Brianna. And I was like, hey, you know that student that we've been trying to connect with? She was like, yeah. And I was like, I was able to talk to him and she was like, really? And I was like, yeah. So I was able to arrange with the school where I would meet with the student weekly and we would just kind of chat and see what was going on, um, talk about kind of some of their fears and just really build that relationship with. I always had something to do with our hands to make it a little less awkward mm-hmm. and just really be able to build that relationship and make sure that they had a safe place to be. Um, Eventually they did move out of the area, but it just felt really nice that, you know, for 20 minutes, half hour a week that I met with them, that they had a safe place to talk and felt comfortable being able to do that. And the school did report that, you know, some of the behavioral problems did alleviate a little bit. So that was just really awesome. And just kind of a, you know, makes our work feel like, you know, we're getting somewhere, even though it can be really challenging at times. 
Yeah, that's awesome. I mean, just to hear that the school actually contacted you back and was like, you know, they're they're doing a little bit better. We've seen, you know, some of those behavioral issues go down. I mean, that's it's so important. You know, there's so many, I think, especially teenagers, middle schoolers out there that don't feel like they have a trusted person or or maybe just for whatever reason, just not comfortable, even with someone maybe they trust to like open up about certain things. Right. And so for someone to kind of approach them and just allow them that space and, and give them that non-judgmental platform, right, to, to have those discussions, that's that's huge. And I'm sure that was really life-changing for them. And again, you know, it kind of seemed like it showed in their actions that it had promoted some good change for them. So that's wonderful. And that yeah. is one of the highlights, I think, of doing the work that we do um, is, is really being able to be that supportive person. But that's that's a great story to kick us off. I love that. Even if we don't get into maybe all of the trauma that has happened, at least, you know, there was that safe space. And like those things are going to take time to build for kids, especially if they've had a lot go on. They're not going to, you know, right off say this, this and this has happened to me. But right. we were getting there and then they moved away. But it's still, you know, we're able to build that relationship. Yeah, that's amazing. It's amazing work and the time that you had, right? And hopefully yeah. that just enabled him to feel more comfortable, you know, having those conversations wherever they moved off to, you know, and, yeah. and starting that process again and picking up where you left off. So yeah. I love that. I love that's a, such a, a happy little story to start us off with. Yeah. So my first story is definitely a little tougher. I'm not going to be sharing, you know, a ton of details about this, um, but I chose this one because I think for me personally, this impacted me the most um, doing the work that, you know, I did when I was out there boots on the ground and teaching. Um, so, and I will, you know, say to our listeners out there, this one is definitely a little challenging. So just keep that in mind, even if you want to skip it or, you know, pause here, do whatever feels good for you. Uh, but this story, I was actually teaching our CAP program, our child abuse prevention is what CAP stands for. So doing a presentation at an elementary school. And I think I was talking, yeah, it was to the first grade class. So, you know, in that presentation, we go over kind of the ins and outs of good touches and bad touches and, you know, start getting into some of the heavier things, you know, like abuse um, and just really defining what that is and talking about that a little bit more. And after every CAP class that we had, we, of course, you know, kind of give the option, you know, if anyone wants to ask a question, you know, without the group here, or if anyone wants to chat, you know, you can always just come up to me afterwards and we can talk. And after this specific presentation, you know, I said my little sign off, if anyone wants to come and talk to me, feel free, you know, I'll be hanging around here for a minute. Um, and as I was kind of just chatting with the teacher and just going over some things with them after the presentation was done, I had this young girl approach me and just asked, you know, if, if she could talk to me and she had a few questions. I was like, of course, you know, so we're at this beautiful little campus. And so there's a lot of really lovely space outside. And so I said, oh, do you want to, you know, go sit outside, ask the teacher, is that okay if we just chat outside for a minute? They allowed it. So we went outside and this little girl and one of the things I remember very vividly about this conversation was she was wearing these adorable little light up shoes. Uh, and I, I mean, she was just like tiny. She was just like this adorable, looked like a doll, right? But she was sitting um, just kind of, we were on this little concrete kind of barrier sitting there and she was just kind of, you know, waving her feet back and forth, kicking her little light up shoes as she was talking. And 
this girl started asking me questions about things that were happening to her and essentially detailing really, really um, painful, horrific abuse that she was going through at home. And one of the things that really struck me, and this was actually really early on for me, I think I had only been doing these classes for a few months. And this, you know, I, I had heard, you know, some some disclosures here and there, but this one really hit me. And I think one of the main reasons was because she said everything just so matter of fact. And it was almost like, you know, it was just her normal. Like she wasn't saying it with tears in her eyes. She wasn't telling these horrific stories and, you know, breathing heavily because she knew, you know, how scary it was. It was almost just so ingrained in her that these things were normalized. But after my presentation, she kind of was like connecting the dots and knew that I guess this isn't right. And, you know, just kind of wanted to talk it through with me and, and really figure out like, huh, is this stuff I guess this is really bad, huh? And so again, I'm not going to share any details, um, especially for just her behalf and privacy. But hearing all the things I heard, I mean, we were out there for a good 15, 20 minutes, we kind of had to like cut it short a little bit, because it was the end of the day, the buses were going to be coming soon. I didn't want, you know, all the other classroom doors to open and the kids to flood out as we're still in the middle of this. And so, you know, I just told her that I was going to be making a report and that, you know, people would be following up with her. She just, you know, went on her merry, merry way, skipping back with her little light up shoes back into the classroom to get her backpack and head home. And I will never forget because throughout that whole process, I was, you know, just very kind of process oriented. I'm just there to listen to her. I'm there to, you know, ask her a few questions. I need to make a CPS report and, you know, I'm just there as a support system. So I'm not going to get emotional. I'm not going to show her that things are bothering me, but I got up and started walking out. You know, you have to sign in and out from the front office when you are entering a school I get up, I'm walking down the hallway and I can feel my emotions like bubbling up in me. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, oh God, okay, just like make it to the office, just make it to the door. I got into the office and I like as fast as I could, like I did one of those like signatures you do when you just scribble something, you know, like you're not even trying to sign your name, yeah. um, you know, tried to just normally like, bye, see you later to all the office staff and just hightailed it out the front doors, got to my car and I just like really broke down, like something yeah. about this whole thing, you know, after the things I had already heard and the situations I had already been in in this work, that that was a really impactful day for me. Um, and it, I think it taught me a lot, too, about like how incredibly resilient people, especially children are. I mean, to be in a circumstance like that and just to still be skipping back into the classroom, right? Like even after sharing that with me, like it just shows this level of resiliency and this level of, you know, how absolutely strong this little girl was in her little light up shoes. And so that was, um, again, a little bit harder of a story. Some of mine are, you know, a little bit lighter than that moving forward. But I think just for all intents and purposes, that was the first one that came to mind just because it was, yeah, really, really impactful. Yeah, they're such hard stories. Like I had so many thoughts when you're going through like, congrats to you for creating that safe space within that short cap presentation period that she did feel like 
hey, maybe like I do need to talk about this. And like you said, it was so normalized for her that she didn't necessarily realize something was going on. And, you know, that's why I'm such a firm believer in these classes that we teach, because if it's happening your entire life, it it is just normal for you. You don't realize that that's not supposed to be happening until someone says it for you. Absolutely. Yeah. Because you don't, I mean, if you grow up with that, that's that is your normal. You don't know anything else. That's the world yeah. in which you live. It might not be something you enjoy, but at the same time, what are you going to do? It's just how the day goes. This is just how this person treats this person, right? So, absolutely, yeah. it is so important. Those classes, I think, are are literally lifesavers in a lot of ways. Yeah, and also kudos to you for letting her know that you are going to have to make a report, and there are going to be mm-hmm. people coming to talk to you because that's always such a hard thing to have to do like i've never met anyone in this field that's like oh yay i get to make a cps report today yeah. like just what i wanted to do <laughs> yeah it's never anything fun even if it's something more on the minor side because i'm constantly thinking about my relationship with that child like is it right. better to tell them because we do remind them like or we initially will tell them like i am a mandated reporter mm-hmm. there are things if you tell me i have to do tell people and it's to keep me keep you safe like that's my right. job is to keep you safe, but it could still ruin a relationship Absolutely. with a client, not have that trust anymore because you don't know what's going to happen after that report's made. If abuse is going to increase or the child will be told that you're not a safe person anymore or right. you know, a parent tells them they can't talk to you. So that's always a really tough thing to navigate as well, but they're yeah. also really important to do. Absolutely. All right, so I can go ahead and get started with the next story. Um, so with this one, like Lisa said that with her last story, that it was earlier on in her career, and this had happened earlier on in my career at Live Violence Free as well. And it was an earlier morning, and I had gotten a phone call that there had been a sexual assault that occurred with um, in our county and so we and they were at the hospital and that we were going to meet them there and see if they wanted to do um, the rape kit the sexual assault nurse examination mm-hmm. and so I went there met with them and there was just this young lady there and you could just tell that she was just very very shaken up um, she had some support from her parents and they're just going back and forth on if they wanted to do the SART exam or not. Um, and it was decided that the SART exam was going to happen. And this was the first time that I was going to be an advocate for someone while they were doing the SART exam. So it was really nerve wracking oh, wow. yeah. for me because I just, you know, I felt comfortable in my role as an advocate, but that was just kind of like a whole nother level yeah. of advocacy for someone. And so we went up there and we do have to go to Reno. So it's Reno's probably about, I don't know, an hour and a half, maybe from where we were. So it's a mm-hmm. long drive. We're just trying to, you know, offer support to the client and their parents or parent was with us. And, you know, we went through it and we continue to advocate for her through the whole process. And like I said before, relationships are so important and we were really able to build that relationship with her and really support her. Mm -hmm. I'm encouraging her to get therapy so she can kind of process everything. And yeah, it was just, I feel like it was so nice to see how strong she was throughout all of it. And I mean, SART exams are very invasive after something horrible had, had already happened to you and just going through that process is really tough, especially for a young 
lady and you know we were able to keep in contact with her throughout you know it's been a few years and just really advocate for her through everything that she has kind of gone through and you know just proud of her that she was able to overcome that work through those emotions kind of learn how to ask for help when Mm -hmm. she needed it and we know that you know she's planning on going to college and kind of pursuing what her dreams are so it's just great to know that yay this Although it was super traumatic for her that she was able to work through it and overcome some of the struggles that with it and really continue with her life. Yeah, that's amazing. Again, speaks to resiliency, right? I mean, like no one ever, ever deserves abuse, assault, anything like that to happen to them. But sometimes we really see like when these super unfortunate things occur, you know, how absolutely strong and courageous and just resilient it just it's just the best word for it right that people can be throughout those experiences um and oh put a kudos right back on your story like kudos to you for that being especially like your first time you know being present at a SART exam you know that that is a whole different level than sitting behind a desk and someone may come in and you may have a conversation right like even though the conversations are still really difficult when someone does walk into an agency like ours right and have those conversations just that setting you know being at the hospital and going through all this and being there for this moment that you know, like you said, invasive and could be super, super re-traumatizing for that person. And so, yeah, that's that's a huge moment. Um, and I actually want to quickly mention, just because we brought up SART exams and the sexual assaults or what some people may know as a rape kit exam, if anyone is curious, we did an incredible incredible episode with a woman who is actually a forensic examiner um, and she specialized in doing SART exams. So look for that in our episodes. We had her on, it was a few months back, but she really went through kind of anything and everything. So obviously it might be a challenging listen for some of uh, our listeners out there, but extremely informative. We went through a lot of really interesting things in that conversation. So definitely check that out. And so let me move on with like kind of a kind of a happier story. I think we got we got both kind of dark there for for a little (laughs) bit. Again, it's the nature of our field. Right. Um, But I actually have a really just cute and kind of enlightening story. So one of my roles was to um, obviously work with kids and it wasn't just teaching and doing presentations at schools. I mean, there were so many capacities for me. I was, you know, creating empowerment days where we'd have young men and women that would come out. We'd spend like a full day doing workshops, these kinds of things, a summer program. And we also partnered with the Tahoe Rim Trail Association. And we were doing these really incredible desolation wilderness backpacking trips and taking a group of eighth graders out into desolation wilderness. And so of course we had to be trained, right? We had, you know, um, a guide from the Tahoe Rim Trail with us at all times. It wasn't just like giving us backpacks and saying, see you later. Hope you have fun out there. No, we had to go through, you know, heavy training on the, on the guardian end or the chaperone end. Um, And again, we had people out there with us. So, Regardless, we organized, and this was, I think, my first trip doing it. So maybe the first time that we ever did the program. Um, We have all these wonderful kids that we were, you know, seeing in our summer programs and here and there. And got all of them situated out for this desolation wilderness hike. And right off the bat, 
you know, you're, you're hiking in desolation and we were going to be camping for about four days, three or four nights. I cannot remember. I've blocked most of it out because it was <laughs> really intense. Um, but regardless, you know, you're, you're hiking and you have to take everything with you. So our backpacks, you know, we have these like incredible, like, you know, belting around the waist and huge strap over the shoulders and chest strap, incredible camping backpacks. Uh, all this stuff was provided, by the way, by Tahoe Rim Trail Association. They're amazing. So shout out to them. If anyone is somehow listening into this from that association, you guys are great. Um, but the beginning of the trip, heavy, heavy backpacks, you know, and we have a line of our kids. So we have um, my other kind of chaperone from the agency is up in the front with the guide. And I am the anchor in the back. So I am behind the entire line of kids. And hiking in desolation, especially out in Tahoe, you're going up a lot of hills. That's just what it is. You know, like it's it's not like you're just walking flat ground, nice and easy pace. Even if you're going nice and slow, you're still going up a really, really steep hill. So it was about the moment we left the parking lot, leaving this like shuttle car and started up the first pass. And I think kids really quickly realized like, oh, man, like not only is this backpack pretty heavy um but also we're just walking straight up a hill and it's summer and it's hot and so i'm in the back of the line and some of the people that had drifted in the back or started in the back i mean 15 minutes into this we're god bless them struggling <laughs> right so we were like you know sitting down and taking breaks and i remember my one girl she just kind of started to like tear up like it she got emotional because she realized like there's there's kind of no way out of this you know i just have to go we have to walk up the hill there's no way of like getting home at this point you know i'm, I'm committed and this is going to be pretty challenging right so she was just sitting down like having that moment of just like you're just so frustrated that you could cry you know um and I just remember talking with her, you know, and trying to motivate her and saying, you know, like, we're going to get up there. And as soon as we're up there, just think of the view and think about how proud you are or how proud you're going to be when you get up to the top and we see that gorgeous view of that lake up there. And, you know, it's, and it's going to get easier. And we just had a variety of, you know, encouraging, trying to be encouraging things to say to her. And that was day one. And I remember just being really nervous because, again, we had like two or three more days of this coming, you know, like this wasn't, it wasn't it when we got to the top of that first hill, it was really just the beginning. And I was like, oh man, I hope, you know, she doesn't shut down or anything happens. And fast forward to the last day of the trip, I will never forget it because even in group every night, we'd like get together, share, they'd be journaling, doing all these activities, self-reflections on the trip. None of them had cell phones. So, you know, to fill time, we were doing all these different things and having them document, you know, in their journal, what every day was like. She was sharing out these like amazing things at night, like how proud she was and, you know, how accomplished she felt about, you know, getting up that hill or doing this today or whatever it was. Last day of the trip, I kid you not, that same girl, that was like down and out 10 minutes into this walk was in the front of the line, like singing and starting chants. <laughs> I remember she started a si se puede chant from the front, which if you don't know Spanish, it means yes, we can. Was doing the si se puede chant from the front of the line to like encourage the rest of the group to keep going. Awesome. And I was like, yeah, I was like, if that is not a transformation, like I don't know what is, you know? So that is a moment that'll stick with me. I, I loved 
again, I did block out some of that trip because it, you know, <laughs> being in the being in the woods for four days without a shower with like, you know, 15 eighth graders, it was it was a little intense, but it was an amazing trip. And that really stuck with me because, yeah, just seeing that that huge change in her and that huge shift from like, I'm going to be miserable or like, I'm going to die out here to like, I'm having a good time and I'm accomplished and proud and killing it was a really cool thing to see. So yeah, I definitely wanted to share out that little, that little story. That's awesome. I love that story because I've gone on some trips like that with youth before and love them, but Mm -hmm. they are a challenge. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's, yeah, it's, I I can't even describe what those sorts of trips are like, because you never know what's going to happen, especially Mm -hmm. with eighth graders, like, we all know they can be a little bit moody, so we yes. don't know when <laughs> those moods are going to switch and how you're going to help them, you know, self-regulate. And you're in the middle of nowhere without any cell phone, right? Or yeah. extra help. The help you have is the help you came with, and mm-hmm. you can only do so much. So exactly, it's like this is all we got. There's no going home. Like, yep. and either you're going to be miserable the whole time, like bless your heart. I hope not, or. We're going to do something to change it. And yeah, thank God, because that would have been that would have been a rough couple days, you know, for, yeah. that, for that girl. So, yeah, I was really happy about that, that whole shift and the way that trip went. It was it was really a cool time, especially for them and especially for eighth graders to leave their phone and have this amazing time and be playing these like made up funny games together in the woods. And just like, I don't know, just like be kids. feeling free. Yeah. Like just so free and they talked about how they were like i kind of like how we didn't have our phones which was something we were like completely taken aback by you know like we were like i didn't think those words would ever leave your mouth you know that you're like (laughs) happy to not have your phone but yeah it was it was definitely a cool trip yeah all right so this next story i have it's a shorter one um and it hasn't been from my time with flu violence free it was at a previous job i had where i worked with youth at-risk youth, um, whether they were about the, whether they were in group homes or about to be placed in group homes, that's just kind of the job that I had. We would go into homes or offer more support in different group homes. So with this one particular kiddo, he had been kind of bounced around from different group homes. He was in a new group home, and they had asked for some extra support for him. And another kid that I was able to form really good relationships with really, really cared about him. We had a good connection, but he definitely had some behavioral struggles, um, just kind of a challenge for him. And I remember this one particular day I was with him offering some support and he was just like, it was a bad day, like lots of Mm. physical aggression, just like a lot of emotional aggression. Mm -hmm. And we were standing in a hallway and he was just kind of not having it and was able to look at him and it always makes me tear up whenever I tell this Mm. story and I just looked at him and I was like hey bud like what do you need right now like what can I do for you and he just looks at me and he was kind of he was shorter than me um like a little bit definitely short and I you know I'm kind of like we're just looking at each other just looks at me in the eyes and just goes a hug and I was like I can do that for you. Like I can give you a hug. And so I just give him a hug and I just like feel his body melt. And I was like, Oh, I, I got you buddy. Like whenever you need a hug, I can give you a hug. 
And it was just such a good reminder for me that like, sometimes that's all someone needs. They don't need to be talked to. They don't need to be talked at. They don't need to talk about their feelings. They just need someone to hug them. And, you know, Mm -hmm. after that, we had a great day. Like that's literally all he needed was a hug because I'd probably been years since he had gotten like a hug. And I was like, I got you, buddy. I'll always give you a hug whenever you need a hug. Just call me. Just ask me anytime. The hugs are free. Oh, that made me a little bit emotional. That kind of floored me. Like, (laughs) I was like, I don't know what I was expecting him to actually say, like, you know, like, what do you need? Um, But just to hear that, like, man, just a hug, you know? And I just remember his face. Like, it was just like tears welling up in his eyes and just like this just like Mm. such a sadness over him when he's like, that's that's all I need. And like, I have it such imprinted in my head, like that face he gave me. And it's just always a good reminder, like for me. So. Yeah. Oh my gosh. That is, I mean, lovely in the sense that you were there for him and you shared this beautiful moment. Not exactly lovely that he was like going through whatever he's going through, but at the end of the day, I'm just, I'm so happy you were there and I'm so happy in your stories in general. Like, I'm just so appreciative that you are willing to kind of like take that step and reach out and be like, Hey, you know, like, what can I do for you? Hey, do you yeah. need anything? You know, because that that is huge. That is so big, especially I think for like, I think for young men too, right? Like it's really hard just within our culture, within all of the unrealistic expectations for men and, you know, ideals of toxic masculinity. I can go on, but I won't. Regardless, I think sometimes it's really hard for them to reach out for help or if they're really going through something like it it could even be so difficult just to say, like, I really just need a hug, Mm -hmm. you know, like I think it's just kind of programmed out of them to seek support and you know things like that are kind of like they just don't seem like guy or like manly things to do so it is so important to you know not only encourage them I think to do that and seek support and all of those wonderful healthy things that every human being (laughs) desperately needs to do Um, but at the same time like I think it's so important for adults Um, that are around kids in these capacities, you know, teaching, coaching, just, you know, people in your family, whatever it is, to do that, to check in, you know, Mm because it's not always easy for them to start that conversation or like come to you first. And, And it also really shows that like, yeah, someone sees you and they care and they can maybe tell just by that expression on your face that you're not like feeling 100 today. And, you know, just having someone in their life that can pick up on those things or they feel like wow they like care about me enough right to to come to me and ask me or whatever it is like that's it's just so important like that really does change lives in a lot of ways you know so yeah yeah i love that and if you are gonna kind of ask those questions like what do you want or what what can i do for you or anything what do you need from me anything like that like be prepared for anything yeah and like Mm -hmm. be able to can kind of control your reaction because if he was like wanting something that I absolutely 100% could not do for him I'd have to be prepared to like explain that and Mm -hmm. possibly have a huge outburst from him right and be aware that that could happen thankfully it was something I could very easily give him yeah you're like hug check slam dunk we got a hug (laughs) yeah got it Yeah. So just being prepared for those sorts of things, because you never know what's going to come out of a kid's mouth or what, you know, they're going to say they need. So totally. Yeah. 
Yeah. And if you are ever in a moment to all the listeners out there, like say you did the exact same thing Sarah did, you walk up to somebody like, hey, are you okay? Like, can I do anything for you? And if they say something that you're like, like I, I'm physically not even capable of providing that for you, whether it be, you know, like time or just resources that like you're really not able to give or you're not the appropriate person, you know, connecting them with someone that is doesn't mean that like you have not done your job there. You know, right. um, it's it's totally more than fine to be like, whoa, this is a little bit like above me, like what you're going through is important. And, you know, I think it's it's really um it's really important that we talk to someone that could really help you with this and, and let me connect you. And, you know, you can even say like, do you want me to go with you or I can make that call, like whatever it is. But again, like if you cannot be that person that's going to provide whatever they need, connecting them or helping them get there, you're still doing an amazing job. So never doubt that. Definitely. All right. So here's my last story on the list. And this one's kind of shorter too. Um, and kind of a sweet one it ends up being sweet i'll say that it's kind of like a sour patch story it starts off a little sour it gets to a a sweet spot um but i was working at the juvenile correction facility there in tahoe which by the way one of my absolute favorite programs um the turnaround i've seen in those programs the just absolute like incredible change um and and personalities that were there like there yeah there's kids there that have done some bad things made some bad choices but like still incredible kids you know and still mm -hmm. had incredible hearts and minds and just needed outlets to really showcase that and so the class i did in there was all about healthy relationships communication um anger management just kind of like across the board we went over so many different things and i went in there it was you know, kind of like quarterly. So there usually be like new kids in there, but started with this new group. It's day one. I'm just kind of talking about like what this class is going to be about, what we're going to be learning, kind of just doing like a little syllabus day almost. And after we're, you know, chatting and going through everything we're going to talk about and kind of start with our first little topic, maybe I think it was communication. Yeah, that would make sense. It was communication. Um, at the end of the day, I said, okay, so, you know, this is just day one. We're just starting this journey together. And I want to hear from you guys. Like, what do you hope to learn while we're in this class together? Like, what would you guys like to talk about? What would you like to know more about? And I got some like lovely little responses right off the bat. And then I had this one young man and he kind of just like looked straight at me and gave me that look, right? Like it, it almost like sending me with his eyes, like I'm going to test you right now kind of look, mm -hmm. you know? So I was like, yes, go right ahead, sir. And he said something about like, well, I don't care to learn anymore about communication. And I said, oh, okay. Well, like, why is that? Like, why don't you want to know more about communication? I can't really say it on here, his response to this question. <laughs> um, essentially, he said, it doesn't matter how you speak to women. He didn't say women, though. He used another word. You can fill in the gaps. Mm -hmm. doesn't matter how you speak to women. They are all the bleeping same. And so I just kind of did exactly what you just did. I know our <laughs> listeners can't see us right now. I kind of gave that like, hmm, okay. You know, no judgment there. I was like, and I know you're trying to test me right now. And I know that you know, it's almost like this kind of like patronizing attitude, seeing maybe how far you can get, seeing, you know, how much you can get under my skin. Mm -hmm. But instead, yeah, I just kind of shook my head and said, all right, well, thank you so much for your opinion. And I'll keep that in mind and just continue to take questions. Right. And I think just because of that reaction and of course, like Juvie's a 
unique place to be, right? Like you can't really, it's not like school where there's maybe some teachers you can get away with stuff with some teachers that'll be like, go to the office. Like again, juvie's a different story. Um, but I think because I didn't have this big reaction, it like generally just confused him yeah. a little bit. And he kind of like, I remember him sitting there and just kind of like leaned back in his seat a little bit. Like he was taken aback. It was like kind of looking over at his friend that was sitting, you know, next to him at this little table and just kind of confused. Um, and throughout the, like the next eight weeks there, it was really interesting because he went from walking in every day, sitting down with like, you know, leaning all the way back in his seat, hands crossed, like looking straight down, head down the entire time to midway through this curriculum, you know, he's sitting up a little bit more and he's kind of like starting to like, you know, just react to things that are being said or, and then suddenly he's like raising his hand and well, you know, I actually don't think that's the case because I think it's this like offering his opinion, you know, in, in like a really insightful way. The last day of class, um, we have to do this whole, you know, little project they've been working on kind of like their final. And I remember this young man gets up and does such an incredible job. Like I really didn't know what to expect because I didn't like completely disregard him. I still gave him all the assignments. I still just com like communicated with him like I did with all the other kids. But you know, when someone's like actively not looking at you and just seems like they're just being very defiant towards you, it's just like, you don't know what you're gonna get, right? Like, so giving him this project, I was like, he's either gonna do something or he's not. I'm not gonna breathe down his neck about it. I'll check in, but what am I gonna do, right? But he gets up floors me absolutely floors me with the presentation that he gives like he like it was it, to the point where i almost started like to cry like out of this like proudness for him because i was like oh my god like wow you know like he just articulated everything so beautifully and just it's just so insightful and like got this huge standing ovation from the other participants of the class like everyone was just going off like yeah you killed it you know <laughs> and then i'll Never forget, he came up to me and this young man said, you know what, I'm, I'm really, really sorry for what I said to you on the first day. And that was messed up. But those type of things I used to say and the way I used to act and be and how I treated you, like, that's what got me in here. And I've realized now, like, I don't need to do any of that. And I was like, I could have bawled my eyes out crying in that exact moment, but I was like, hold it you know, get to the car first, <laughs> like having that little discussion in my head. I was just like, you know what? Like, I appreciate that. And you're super smart and amazing. And I have no doubt that you're going to get out of here and do wonderful things. And it was just so, I don't know, amazing to kind of have that moment from like day one where it was just like, you know, I don't respect you at all type of attitude <laughs> coming yeah. from him. And like, this doesn't matter. And all this is dumb to last day, just like taking it so seriously and then having such an ownership of his attitude, his actions, and all of that. I mean, yeah, it's like you can't get any better than that doing this work, I don't think. Like, we don't always get to see the turnaround. We don't always get to see that that shift or that change um, in, in, you know, younger people, like, being in a better place after the kind of things that we teach them. And so that is something, like, I held on to that, like, a little trophy, like a little, you know, magical gem that I found because it was such such a nice moment. I love that story. And it just goes to show that like, don't give up on mm -hmm. people, especially like youth that you're involved with. And you never know if those sorts of things are defense mechanisms, because he's had to learn it from somewhere. It's, you know, he's defending 
whatever he needs to do to make himself feel safe. And you're able to slowly chip away at that. And he was able to become more vulnerable. And that's just so awesome. It's so important not to give up on youth. And I always like to remind myself that there's no such thing as a bad kid. They just make bad choices sometimes. Absolutely. They need adults to kind of help steer them back on the right Right. path, whatever path that they may be for them. So, Yeah, and be consistent and Mm -hmm. model the kind of behavior that you believe is, you know, healthier or could be of more use for them in their life. And and that's what I did, you know. I think just for me, not freaking out on him, not, you know, just – completely disregarding him as a student anymore. You know, the fact I just stayed there and continued to communicate that same way, um, you know, wasn't really reactive towards that at the beginning either. It just, yeah, like just treated him like he was a normal kid because yeah, they all were normal kids, you know, not in a very normal circumstance, but just normal kids, you know? And so that is a super important thing to keep in mind for any listeners out there that work with kids in any capacity, you know, they are, for lack of a better term, acting out. Yeah, there's probably a big reason behind that, right? And so, give them that space and just be, be a support and be consistent. And that could be, you know, the thing that they need to really, yeah, help shape them um, into some better behaviors and into a better, healthier life for them. Yeah, keep, keep planting those seeds. And mm-hmm. Lisa, you were lucky enough to see that seed bloom. And sometimes you might not even see it sprout. Yeah, but if you keep planting those seeds, you can definitely help you know them become who they want to be. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so this was this was a lovely little story session. Yeah. I really I really enjoyed today. Um, Me too. Yeah, even though some of them are a little more you know difficult to go back to the archives and and retell, but at the same time. I just appreciate that we came together today and just kind of talked about some of these things. It seemed like they were some of our most impactful moments or more impactful moments um, doing this work. But I think it's it's unique and it's interesting. You know, we don't get to really talk about this stuff all the time. And of course, you know, we did all of this with confidentiality in mind. We're not going to, you know, um, undermine the privacy of these individuals we've worked with. But yeah, these are the kind of things, though, you know, we don't always get to talk about and the kind of things that people outside the field don't always get to understand or hear or, you know, really kind of know the goings on and the in and outs of what it looks like from the inside. And so hopefully our listeners out there found this, you know, enjoyable, interesting, engaging. Um, I think this is something we could definitely bring in our other hosts. I know, you know, we all have our own personal stories about things that we've been through. And I'm sure, again, Sarah and I, this these were not our only stories, so we could even come up with more. But yeah, definitely something we'll probably come back to, invite our other hosts to join in on the personal storytelling. But with all that being said, I think it's a great time just to go ahead and round out this conversation. Just do a simple little breathing exercise before we finish off today. And so I invite my host and all the listeners out there, if you are willing and able to participate in the meditation at this time, Get yourself into a comfortable space. Even if you wanted to pause right now, set up a comfortable space for yourself. Once you have your comfortable space, get into a comfortable position, seating, laying, standing, doesn't matter, whatever works best for you. And I want you to start taking our meditative breath 
So slow, deep breath in through your nose and exhaling through your mouth. Deep breaths in and exhaling out. Either find a spot in the room to focus on or gently close your eyes. And a big breath in and a big exhale. Continue with the slow breathing into the nose and out through the mouth. With every exhale, just let your body relax a little bit more. Imagine on your exhales that your body is just sinking down a little bit deeper. Let the gravity of your exhales allow yourself to sink further until you feel totally relaxed. Now that you're relaxed, I want you to focus on something that you have accomplished. It could be something from today, week, month, years ago, whatever comes to mind. With your inhales and exhales, I want you to spend time really celebrating that accomplishment. Think about the power that you have to not only accomplish this, but many other things in your life. How does it make you feel to have accomplished that? I want you to focus on these feelings that come up for you and continue to take deep breaths in and out. On your next inhale, give a quick kudos to yourself for having done this. On your next inhale, in your mind repeat, I am capable And on your next inhale, repeat, I am enough. On your next inhale, take a deep breath in all the way and hold. And a big exhale out. Again, big breath in, hold for a count of three and exhale and you can go back to your normal breathing start to move your body around start to bring yourself back into the room take your time gently float open your eyes 
And I hope that was a nice little breathing exercise to leave you off on. I thought, you know, it was appropriate with us talking about things we've accomplished or things we've been through or, you know, just these past experiences we had. I think it's just important for anyone out there to, yeah, if you accomplish things or, you know, things that you're proud of, things in your work, personal life, whatever it is, to take time and celebrate that. You know, you're probably making a whole lot of change out there without even realizing it. So thought that was, yeah, a good way to kind of end this. Um, Sarah, do you have any, any last words, any last comments before we close out today? Just that I hope you guys enjoyed these stories and it was just really fun to share and kind of chat with you, Lisa, a little different from the day-to-day grind that can mm-hmm. be a little heavy at times. Just sharing these stories is always nice to remember the work that we do. Absolutely. And same here. Yeah, this was definitely a treat. And yeah, hopefully listeners really um, got something out of today or just enjoyed being part of the conversation. So thank you so much to all the listeners out there. Um, We'll have a few resources below, especially, you know, if this was a little bit triggering, uh, we're definitely going to have our information, a few other agencies that you can look at and check out some of the work that they do linked below. But we appreciate you being here with us today. And we hope you'll join us for our next conversation.